Last week, we started a new sermon series that we're calling Sowing the Seeds of Faith. And if you weren't able to be here last Sunday with us, I want to encourage you to maybe consider downloading. We, we, Jamie puts all of our sermons in sort of a podcast format, and it's downloadable. You can listen to it while you're working out, while you're running, while you're doing you know, dishes at home, whatever it is. Uh, I don't, I'm not interested in you listening to me. I'm interested in you listening to the message and the vision that's coming out during this season. And this is really week two of that sermon series. And I'm going to take a little bit of a risk with you today, actually two pretty big risks. And I'm going to ask you to give me the benefit of the doubt in both. Everybody shake your head and say, oh, we're with you, Pastor Tim. That's good. I didn't get that many shakes of the heads, but that's okay. Uh, I am going to pray, pray for us and ask God to bless our morning. It's been already a very wonderfully busy morning on top of a very, very busy and a little bit of a scattered week. And I just feel like everybody's sick right now. This is kind of an interesting thing. So when we pray, not only do we pray for Em and Lisa, but there's other congregation members who are dealing with illness. And I'm just going to in general pray for them right now as well. And let's ask God to open up the word and bless us today. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the sunshine that's coming through. And in fact, the shot in the arm that the warm temperatures have been to us the last 24 hours. It was only 36 hours ago and it was like negative 30, right? And so, Lord, we thank you for the warmth. And we thank you even for the warmth that's going to come tomorrow. We ask, Lord, that that warmth would remind us of the love that you have for us. And we think of our family right here today and the great moment that stands in front of us as a congregation. We think of those who aren't with us today. Father, I pray that you would be with them, that you'd bring healing to those that are sick, healing to those that might be dealing with more serious illness situations or family dynamics. And Father, I pray for all of us gathered in this room. We all walk in today with different things in our minds, different maybe items that are consuming our hearts, our minds. They're causing us to be distracted from your Spirit's lead. And the reality is, God, you are with us. You know us. You know our stories. You know all the questions that we come in with. You know all the baggage that we bring to the table. And we even think about that table that we approach today, this table of communion. That, Father, you would search us and that you would know us, that our minds and our hearts would be aligned with you. I want to pray, God, that this message would bring you honor and glory and that, Lord, you would open up your word to us, that you would instruct our minds and our hearts. And, Father, give us a hope and a vision for the future. Amen and amen. Now, I don't know if you have ever been in one of those times in your life where you found yourself in a place that you never expected, all right? So this is the conversation we're having today, the times in your life that maybe you never expected. Uh, We might call this a right place, right time situation. Okay, you with me so far? Right place, right time Situation. I've actually had this happen to me a number of different times where I would say, we're in a remarkable moment right now. How did I even get here? But there's one right place, right time situation that stands out to me above all the others. I will never forget, never forget the night. I was standing in my home in Muskegon, Michigan with Maria and our phone rang. It was a phone that they used to call a landline. How many of you remember the landlines? Raise your hand. It was on the wall, and it actually made a ringing sound. The phone rang, and I picked up the phone and said hello. The person said hello, introduced themselves to me, 
and they said, how would you be, or they said, would you be interested in praying for the president of the United States? And I was like, what? It was September of 2004, and I was serving a wonderful church in Muskegon, Michigan, West Michigan, as the youth pastor. I was the youth pastor. And I'd been there since 2002. So we were beginning our third year of ministry, and things were going well. We loved the church. We loved living, living in West Michigan. It was a beautiful moment in our lives. In fact, Marie and I, our, my wife and I, we were in a very special uh, season as our firstborn son, Caleb, was only three and a half months old. So he was a baby, right? Like we were dealing with all the newborn dynamics of having a little child. And we were adjusting to being new parents. The church I served at the time was a well-known church in West Michigan community. And I had stepped into a previously very successful youth ministry. Things were going well. We had an automatic trusted relationship with many community leaders. And it was a tight-knit community where everybody kind of knew one another. Uh, West Michigan, if you don't know this about it, it's an interesting dynamic, in general is a very hyper-conservative community, politically speaking, and in a number of non-political ways as well. But I never, and this is important to hear, I never really paid attention to those dynamics as I served the church. We just enjoyed living in what felt to us like a very caring community that included the benefit of living close to Lake Michigan, which meant the beach was just a few minutes away. Now, on this particular night, September, when the phone rang, the opportunity that was coming with it, I had no idea what to expect when I answered that phone what would immediately be in front of me in that moment. Greetings, Tim, the person said, have you heard that President George Bush is coming to town? I said, well, of course I've heard about it. Muskegon wasn't, uh, well, it's a large community, but it's not a metropolis by any means. It was small enough that everybody knew everything that was going on in the community. And then this person said, how would you like to come and give the invocation at the rally and pray over the president. And I'll be honest with you. The first question I had in my mind in 2004 was, what's an invocation? <laughs> I wasn't sure. And I was serving as a youth pastor. I'd never given an invocation before. I was really good at coming up with games that included baby food and all sorts of relays and trying to figure out how do I get the church van unstuck out of the mud. I mean, those were the things that I was dealing with. Now, I'm not limiting youth ministry, but invocations are not top of the youth pastor's to-do list, right? And I thought, what's an invocation? But the second question I thought of when this person asked me was, why me? I pushed back to this person representing the Republican Party on the phone. I said, wow, I said, that's quite a request. Certainly, I wasn't the first phone call that you made. There had to be other people that you would have called first. And they were actually honest. They said, well, we did ask one pastor. We asked one pastor from a church down the street if they would do it, and they said no because they didn't support the war. If you remember, we were in the throes of the Iraq, the Iraq war. And I thought about that for a minute. And I thought, well, I'm not a big proponent of war, or I don't really like what's going on in the nation either, but I couldn't understand why I would withhold prayer for the president because of my disagreement with him on this, right? Now, let me be very clear. I could not imagine why I was even the second phone call to this person. To me, this was a great honor. Regardless of who the president was, 
This felt like a fairly high-profile opportunity that should have gone at least to the senior pastor that I worked for, if not a dozen more, more than that, qualified candidates, pastoral candidates in the Muskegon community. But there I was on the phone with a decision to make. I didn't even have time to consult with my wiser half, Maria, before I simply said, yep, I'm in. Now, the presidential rally was only happening three days after this phone call. So I had to figure out how to get ready. And it was happening, and I think we have a photo of this. It was happening at the Muskegon County Airport hangar for what was predicted to be somewhere around two to 4,000 people. I was terribly excited and wonderfully nervous. And now I need to explain something to you, lest this sermon illustration get taken the wrong way. At the time, this is a very honest assessment, I was fairly naive to the political tension that exists between the church and the political stage, okay? Especially in those days, I was so focused on youth ministry and, of course, my family that I rarely engaged in any sort of power dynamic conversations. I don't even think I thought about these things in any way with the ministry that I was doing. All I saw this as an opportunity was to stand on a stage and tell people about Jesus and pray over a person that had a massive amount of impact and power in the world. So with just a few days to plan, I started to figure out what I would say. I figured out what an invocation was, and I wrote it an outline. And I put scripture involved, and I put out prayer highlights, and I started to even rehearse a little bit of what I would say. And the day finally arrived, and Maria, baby Caleb, and I, uh, we arrived at the airport, and we were escorted to the stage, and we took our seats. And we sat next to a war hero. We sat next to different political leaders. We sat next to CEOs of big pharmacy companies, you know, kind of thing. There was all these different people who engaged these political dynamics all the time. But the invocation was the first thing on the schedule of events. And let me just tell you that I delivered an invocation that rivaled most WrestleMania introductions. Or... To use another metaphor, think of the eight seconds of a bull rider and the announcer. I had the crowd jumping for Jesus, okay? It was a very raucous moment. I don't know if they expected that, but what do you expect if you ask a youth pastor to come and do your invocation, right? We were jumping and hollering for Jesus. I couldn't help myself, and it was so much fun. I prayed for the president, and I sat down. And then he came up and he delivered his speech. And this is the closest photo that I can show you. Now, we're not in this picture, right? But this is the closest picture I can show you. You see the guy in the dark blue shirt or whatever color that is? To the right of him is where Maria and Caleb and I were sitting. And he was right there that close to us while he presented his, his, uh, his speech. And then one of the best parts of the day happened. We weren't sure if we would actually get to meet President Bush because there's a lot of security and a lot of like quick agenda items that he needs to go through. But after shaking a few hands, he literally walked straight up to us and looked at Caleb, who was just a little baby, and he scooped up Caleb and he said, how about this little guy? Never to miss a photo op, right? It was so cool. And that's Caleb when he was three and a half months old with President Bush. It was obviously a hot, sweaty day. 
But it was such a great thing. And we had so much fun. Now, I need to be very, very clear about one more thing, okay? And you could take this picture down if you want. Um, I don't share this story with you. And this is the risk, right? I don't share this story with you for any sort of political endorsement. Everybody nod your head that you've just heard what I said. Because the email I would not like to see in three days is, I can't believe, okay? That's not the point. In fact, I'm not urging you to support President George Bush or any Republican or Democrat. This is not a political statement in any way. What stands out to me as I think back on this situation, and I think it's a good bridge for us for what we're talking about today, is I don't feel like I deserve to be on that stage with one of the most powerful leaders in the world, if not the most powerful leader in the world, or the war veteran that was sitting there and the the great service that they had done for the country, or any of those people, I didn't feel like I deserved to have the chance to be on stage at this rally, but the opportunity came. And I was in the right place at the right time. Now, if you can believe it, this phenomenon is actually a biblical phenomenon. Everybody smile and go, really? Is it, is it really? Actually, I've got scripture to back it up. All right, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes, your favorite book to read, chapter 9, verse 11, and it says this. And the, uh, let's go one more back. Well, I can, read, I can read from the beginning. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. Ecclesiastes 9.11. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. Now, I do think that um, as a church someday, it would be fantastic to walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, maybe to spend a couple of months of walking through different, it's called wisdom literature, and there's so much that we can learn and glean as we try to follow Jesus today from this book. But I am so encouraged by this verse, because I've never been the fastest. You can ask my brother, Steve, he'll tell you, nope, you've never been the fastest, nor have I ever been the strongest in any competition. I certainly haven't been the wisest in any room I've ever been in, and I've never, certainly never been the most educated. But you're still telling me there's a chance. And that's what this scripture points to. And when it comes to eternal and spiritual things, I think we have even more than a chance because God is the author of time and space. And he's the one that places us in those right place, right time moments. Now you might think this never happens to me or rarely happens to me, or I can't think of a story that's similar to that, right? I don't find myself in those right places or those right moments. And I would challenge you on that. Because I would say, I think you probably do. But I think it's more a matter of us looking for them, training our eyes and our hearts to see where God is moving in those moments. One of the key ways that we can find those right place, right times moments is by actually looking for where God is already working and what God is already doing. And if you look at John chapter 5, Jesus talked about this. He was, he was debating with a group of Jewish leaders 
who are harassing him for working on the Sabbath. And he says in John chapter 5, verse 17, he says this, My father is always working, and so am I. Jesus said, my father is always working, and so am I. Think about that sentence for a minute. You see, God is always working. He's always working around us. And let's just pause for a minute and recognize how busy our lives are. Recognize that we all have scattered things that happen in our lives every single day. And still, God is always working around us. Jesus continues in John chapter 5, verse 19, when he says this, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Do you see what the Father is doing in your life, in the lives of the people around you, in the life of this church? Do you see where God is working? Because He is working. He's always working. That's the God we follow, a God who's always moving in the world. He's working all around us. And it's when we train our eyes to see where God is working, when we can see where God is moving, and we see what God is blessing. That's where we need to be. That's the right place at the right time. And when we join what God is doing by sowing our resources at the right place and the right time, guess what? We talked about this last week. God multiplies it. He takes this seed of faith and he multiplies it. This is Vision Sunday for us as a church community. Welcome to New City Covenant Church in 2023 where we are now entering a new season of vision, new vision. It's a beautiful time to be together. And we're working towards this new vision, this next chapter, this new season. Many have called this like a new startup in some ways, right? A secondary startup, and I love that. But to think of the future, we also have to look to the past, to celebrate the past, to celebrate what God has done in the past. And New City, in my opinion, As someone new to this community, New City has always been a right place, right time church. This past week, at our final new members class, our church chair, Chris Nosworthy, sitting up here in the front row by himself because the kids are running around. Uh, They're in the nursery. Sorry, I didn't mean they're running around. Chris talked our new members through some of the, what I would say, our right place, right time historical moments in the life of the church. He mentioned just a few, and I think it's important for us to highlight today. First of all, let's think back to those eight or ten people who first met in a living room in 2009 and 10 to pray about planning this church. That was a right place, right time moment. The story of this building and this beautiful property that New City sort of fell into was a right place, right time moment. Of course, so many more details that we could talk about, but this was a significant moment in the life of the church. In 2019 or 18, there was the sale of the easement where the walking path uh, came about from the city. That financial support helped the church make it through the pandemic. It was a right place, right time moment. 
Um, in 2021, you called an incredible pastor who also doubled as a therapist to be your interim pastor, Pastor Kerry Ch- Jacot, who was an incredible right place, right time call for this church. And think about the hundreds of incredible ministry moments over the years where, where children have stood up in front of you and you celebrated them or classes of adults have went and done great service work in the community. Baptisms have happened right in this room where new life in Christ was celebrated. These are right place, right time moments and there is so much more to come. It's not enough just to recognize that we're in a right place, right time moment. But it's also having the right response. It's also about having the right response. Each of these stories that I just shared, and of course I'm sharing stories that have been told to me. Many of you have lived them out. But each of these stories that have, I've just shared, they weren't just the right place at the right time. It was also this group of faithful people having the right response. Not perfect response. Nobody's perfect in this room, but a right response, seeing what God is doing and where he was working and how we find the right place at the right time. And these faithful people were an example to us now by sowing our resources, by sowing our time, by sowing our talent, by sowing our treasure. That's the right response when we see God working. Because when you're in the right place, at the right time, with the right response, that's when God does the amazing. And that's what it looks like to sow seeds of faith. Let me say it again. When you're in the right place, at the right time, with the right response, that's when God moves in an exponential way. And I guess in my situation with President Bush, I was presented with a choice. I could have shrugged my shoulders. I could have said, you know what? I don't even know what to do. I'm not sure I can put together a great invocation. I feel like I'm just too far down the totem pole. There's other people that'd be better at it. I could have shrugged my shoulders and said no. And then I would have missed out on this awesome moment. I would have missed out on this once in a lifetime event. I would have missed out on being in the right place at the right time. And I'm thankful for the response that I gave. And I believe that God is calling us to something far greater than that in this place in this time, to sow our unique gifts and talents that he has given to us in the places that he's working. Maybe for you, my dear friends, you've been waiting for some sort of audible voice to invite you into something like this. Well, here it is. This is your phone call, your landline ring ring tone, whatever you want to call it, inviting you to consider this extraordinary moment. Now, I want to shift gears and I want to begin to land the plane as we start to prepare for the table, not just our communion table, but also our celebration downstairs in a little bit. And I want to offer you, and this is risk number two, okay? I want to offer you what I'm calling a major encouragement. Or perhaps another way of saying it is like this. It's a great challenge. All right? Something I want you to take personally. It's something I want you to consider. It's something I believe God has given me to give to you. So if I don't give it to you, I feel like I'm not being faithful. Um, As I look back and I reflect on that extraordinary opportunity to pray for the president, which was a lot of fun, 
I want you to know one of the absolute best parts of that moment was that Maria and Caleb were with me. And we get to celebrate that together. That it wasn't just me doing it alone, but that Maria was on the stage with me, that Caleb was there in the picture with the president, that we get to share that memory and see what God did through that moment together. I think New City is an extraordinary moment. And I think one of the best parts is that we get to experience it together. I really do. That we get to share our lives together through small groups and soul food and all sorts of fun events like the family fun night coming up. We're trying to organize a curling night at the end of February for the men. Things like this, the women's Bible study. We get to share our lives together and experience these moments together. I think that's one of the beautiful moments of this. And this is a season that is extraordinary. And it's a season full of momentum. And in part, we get to stand on the shoulders of those who planted this church in 2009 and 10, who helped build this church through the years, who linked arms through the difficult times and says, we're going to make it through. The faithfulness of those that have gone before us is a gift that we have today, and we get to keep passing it on. We don't have to keep this community to ourselves. It's not a secret. Somebody said to me once, this is the best kept secret in Edina. Well, no more. It doesn't have to be like that. So here's the challenge I have for you today on February 5th, 2023. I'm asking each of you, individually, as family members, as community, whatever your story is, each of you, the students in the room as well, to prayerfully and humbly consider who is the one person or the couple, your neighbor, maybe a family member, maybe it's that one dear friend that God has put in your life for one reason or another that you would consider inviting to join us in this season. Who's that one person in your life that God has put in your life for whatever reason that you would prayerfully and humbly consider inviting to join us. I'm challenging you, and here are the details, to consider over the next year. So this is a long ask. This is not a short term this week. could be this week. This is a long ask to consider who that one person is in your life that God may be calling you to invite to join this beautiful church, this beautiful community in this new season, in this new chapter as we are in a restart of a startup. And think about it, startups happen all the time. And when they do, there's always a surge of excitement, a surge of momentum. And because of this, new people join, they get excited. And in a sense, New City is not far off from this. It isn't a second chapter type startup. And I'm wondering if there are people in your lives just waiting for an invitation from you to join this community that we are privileged to be a part of. And as I think out loud about this challenge, I think there might be two types of people that you would consider inviting. Number one, this could be an evangelistic invitation, which is a little scary for all of us. But this could be an evangelistic invitation. There might be someone in your life that I would say is maybe far from Jesus. Maybe they're not there Yet, they're on a journey, but they're not there yet. Maybe for you, it's inviting them to join our community, saying you would be more than welcome 
to join us in a meal and to check out what we're doing. The second type of person you might invite is a little tricky because I'm not interested in, let's just say, poaching people from other churches. That's not ever the goal. I am interested if there are people who are missionally minded that are in your life that maybe have gotten a little comfortable. Or maybe just like when we sense the call to come to New City, you might sense that God is calling them, you to invite them to something new. There might be somebody in your life who is a mature Jesus believer. They've been following Christ. They have gifts to use in this community. Who are they? And they're just waiting for an invitation. There might be an evangelistic opportunity. There might also be an opportunity to invite someone who is comfortable in another place. I wonder who those people are for you. And just so we're on the same page, let me just say this. This challenge is not backed by a desire to grow our church numerically. This isn't a hidden agenda that highlights numerical growth above all things. Not at all. And I don't actually mind sharing with you this morning what my top three priorities have been this year at New City. Number one, my top priority has been to establish the beginning of a trusted pastoral relationship with you, with us together. Number two, I've been working together with many of you to help create a new mission and vision statement that clearly represents our current reality. And number three, help figure out what a sustainable future looks like for the church. And this challenge comes from that third goal. What does a sustainable future look like in our community? I think a part of that reality is inviting additional missional thinkers like you and those that have gone before us into this journey. It's an intentional challenge. It's an intentional request. Who is in your life right now that God might be calling you to in this moment? Now, it may be, everybody hear this, that you make a phone call later today. It's possible. It may be that the invitation that you give might come in July. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to turn in a card. There's no homework here, like I've given to the confirmation students today. They love that, by the way. Okay, it's not like that. There may be times where we talk about this, but really, I just want you to own this and make it personal. Who is in your life that God might be calling you to invite into our community? And friends, if I can help you accomplish this goal individually, I am in. I'm not asking you to be a salesman. I'm not asking you to be somebody you're not. I'm asking you to be faithful, to sow a seed of faith and welcome somebody into the beautiful community that you have helped establish, that God has used you to help establish. Maybe this is like a phone call for each of you as we dig into this opportunity. And we certainly have the option to ignore the call, to turn down the opportunity. Or... We can join God in what he's doing to invest our time and our talent and our treasure in this moment. I have absolutely no question that we are in the right place. I have absolutely no question that it's the right time. The only question is, what will your response be? The only question is, what will our response be? 
Because if we position ourselves in the right place at the right time and we make the right response, I believe that God will do the immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And he's going to do it through all of us, his people, through you and me, his power at work within us. Not so that we could receive the glory, not so that New City can be the best church in the block, but so that we can continue to follow Jesus' work in expanding his kingdom in this community. When we're in the right place at the right time with the right response, that's what it looks like to sow the seeds of faith. Have fun. What a challenge. What a prayerful consideration. And I can't wait to link arms together in this moment. So what I want to do before we come to the table and participate in communion is I just want to take a few moments and Jamie and the band can come on up if you'd like. And I'd just like you to quiet your hearts and prepare your hearts and your souls and your minds for this moment. And uh, maybe pray and ask God, as we've had this big challenge, this conversation, who is it in your life? that God is calling you to. Let's just take a minute and maybe, Jamie, you could play some music for us in the background and just take a minute to silently pray. Close your eyes and prepare your hearts for communion as we bond together as family and celebrate this holy feast. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this this moment. We thank you for this holy challenge. I know, Lord, there's there's multiple people on my list that I've already been... uh, tilling the soil, if you will, of conversation about where they're at with you, Lord. People who maybe were raised in a different faith or raised in a different kind of uh, religious culture who are now have no relationship with you. Lord, I would love to care for them and welcome them into this community. I would be so proud and honored to introduce them to my dear friends here. I pray, Lord, that you would lead the way, though, that you would show me the way to go and that you would show all of us the way to go. And even as we come to this table and we celebrate Holy Communion, Father, I pray that you would give us this incredible connection to one another and to the work that your Spirit is doing in our lives. And we lay this church at your feet, Father, and we ask that you would help us to go deeper and wider as you see fit, that our dependence on your Spirit would be at an all-time high, that we would try to honor you with everything that we say and everything that we do, and then we would enjoy the journey together. Let's just take a moment of quiet and consider these things today.